Well, good morning to everybody here. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, uh, but today is actually uh, a significant day on the church calendar. Um, can, anybody, can anybody possibly guess what day it might be today? Bless up day. I love it. I love it. Put that on the church calendar. Somebody call the people and get that on the calendar. No, today, uh, today is what's called Pentecost Sunday. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Today is the day that we remember and we acknowledge um, that, that after Jesus was resurrected, that once Jesus rose from the tomb, he spent 40 more days with his disciples, and then he ascended into heaven, Amen. not to be seen again until he comes back to take us all home. He did not leave us alone. He did not leave us to fend for ourselves against the humanity and the fallen nature of our world. As a matter of fact, he sent for us an advocate. He sent for us an assist. He sent for us a helper, a teacher, a revealer, and a powerful promise, a powerful deposit, if you will, of what is to come for those who believe in eternity. He sent for us the Holy Spirit. And so it's fitting, right? It's fitting that this morning we, we, we continue week two of a series called Authority. Church, I'm feeling a little famished. Can y'all help me out? Say authority. authority. Thank you. We're continuing a series called Authority. In so many instances, we want to focus on power. We want to talk about power. We want to chase power, either by position or possession. We want power. But as Christians, if we are to follow the example of Christ, then let me on this Pentecost Sunday humbly submit to you that perhaps it is not by power we ought to be looking to lead, but it is by authority and a God-given authority authority at that. If you would, you can meet me in the Gospel of Matthew. We're in chapter 9 this morning. If you have your physical Bibles, I encourage you to turn there. Lord, help me. I encourage you to turn there. If you have your electronic devices, because your kids aren't on them finally, you can go ahead and look on there as long as you feel confident in your ability this morning to fight off the temptation of the devil to stay off of Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and or Twitter. Um, and if you don't feel confident or you don't have any of those things accessible to you, praise God, we've got screens, perfectly straight screens for you to look up at. This is Matthew chapter 9. And we're going to start our reading in verse 1. It says, And getting into a boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. He's talking about Jesus. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, this man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? Man, that's, that, that's, that's a loaded question for another day. Like, why do you think evil in your heart? Man, where do you want me to start, Jesus? He says, why do you think evil in your hearts? Which is easier for me to say, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, rise and walk? 
but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And then look what happened in verse 7. He rose. Somebody say he rose. Somebody say he got up. Man. He got up and he went home. And when the crowd saw it, they were afraid. And they glorified God who had given such authority to men. I don't know if you have experienced this. Um, My wife and I have uh, a common point of tension. Uh, Don't worry. I'm not going to air all of it. But there is one part that I want that I want you to empathize with me on specifically. (laughs) Right. It is that oftentimes when I get home, she'll say, how was your day? Right. And I'll begin to tell her, oh, babe, you won't believe what happened today. Let me tell you. I was talking to Rev. She'd be like, oh, yeah, what did he want? Oh, I'm 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 about to tell you. Right. So I was talking to Rev, and, uh, and, and, and we were on the phone. And she's, she, she's like, he was on the phone at work? I'm like, well, yeah. But and she's, she's, she's like, what, is he like on lunch break or something? I like, uh, I don't know. She's like, she's like I, I don't know. I just feel like working at a school, like they don't have that much time during the school day. You would think that he wouldn't be able to talk on the phone. And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I guess... I mean, I guess you're right, but I don't know. We were just talking. It was around noon. Maybe that could be, could be lunchtime. I don't, I, I, I don't really know. Why are you asking me all these questions? I'm just trying to tell you. I'm just trying to tell you. She's like, well, you're leaving a lot out. I'm like, how do you know? You don't know what I'm trying to tell you. It's so common for me to tell a story to Rachel and for me to get to the punchline and be like, and then he said this. And she'd be like, yeah, cool. But back here earlier, when you were saying, like she focuses on all the details that like aren't important to the story. I'm just trying to get to a point. And she's like, yeah, but what about this over here? Which I guess is really valuable if you're, I don't know, at like a magic show or something. Right? Like the magician does the trick and everybody else is like, wow, what a trick. And she's like, "Mm -mm, I saw what he did with his hands. Like that's really valuable. But when you're just trying to tell a story at the end of a long day, sometimes you know what I'm saying. It's the details, the wrong details that you're focusing on. I love you. That's the detail she's going to focus on later for sure. It's not one of my three points, but it's definitely a detail that's going to come up. Listen, when we read this account of Jesus healing the paralytic, oftentimes we focus on the faith of those who brought the paralytic to Jesus. We focus on the miracle. Wow, this man hadn't walked in an undetermined amount of time, and then Jesus, with just a few words, allowed this man to get up. What a miracle, and that's beautiful. Don't get me wrong, that is incredible. But sometimes the details that we focus on are included in order to point to a bigger story that's being told. It's incredible the faith that these individuals had to bring a paralytic to Jesus who at that time barely had any clout. It's amazing that Jesus was able to exercise the power of the heavens to heal somebody who had suffered for such a long time. That's amazing. 
But that's a sermon for another day because the point of this section, the reason that Matthew includes these details in his gospel is not for us to admire in awe and wonder on the power of Jesus, but it's to actually point to the authority that Jesus had over all things in the earth. I have three points this morning and then I'm out your way and pray for me. Let's hope I make it through all three. Point number one, we're going to go ahead and jump there, is this. Jesus's primary concern is our sin. Let me say it another way. Jesus's primary concern is our condition. Now, when these individuals bring to Jesus a paralyzed man, somebody who cannot walk, and they lay him down on a mat in front of Jesus, anybody that has sight can see that this man is paralyzed. You're not fooled. You're not, you're not, uh, you're not thinking like, well, that's an awkward place to sit. I don't think that the usher led you there, right? You're thinking he's paralyzed. Anyone with sight can see that. Of course, Jesus can see that. And yet, that is not the first thing that Jesus addresses. It is perhaps the thing that caused the paralyzed man's friends to bring him to Jesus, but it's not what Jesus addresses. They bring him and they set him down, and it's not the first thing out of his mouth, get up and walk. Why does he save it? Why does he first address the forgiveness of sins? Culturally, it would have been expected that if this man at some point was not healed, that it was his own sin that had kept him there. It would have been a common belief that people genuinely ascribe to the idea that if you still cannot walk, the Lord has chosen not to heal you. And if the Lord has chosen not to heal you, then you must be active in some sin. I find it to be no mistake that there were religious leaders there. Odds are these were the same religious leaders that probably told this man, there's some sin you've got to get rid of. So this man comes to be laid before Jesus, helpless, <coughs> excuse me, and hopeless. Jesus says first, I see that nobody has wanted to deal with your sin. I don't doubt that you've sought many treatments for your legs, but I notice that nobody wants to touch your sin. I notice that nobody wants to get into your life on a deep enough level to work through the things that may or may not have kept you there. I notice that there are things that you are going through, that there is an amount of suffering that you can't possibly communicate and that can't possibly be understood by just laying eyes on you. And that is where I want to start. How many of you know, because you've experienced the evidence of it in your life, that Jesus wants to deal with your condition first, your sin condition specifically? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to get to the legs. 
I'm going to get there. You're, you're, you're going to walk again. That's actually not a question. It's all over my resume. But there are some things we've got to get to first to make sure that you stay upright. You feel me? See, Jesus in this moment is exercising his ability by saying your sins are forgiven. He is exercising his authority to deal with the deepest root. To deal with that deep dark that not many people know about, but that affects all the rest of your life. The good news this morning if you haven't already come to accept it, is that Jesus sees your suffering. Jesus knows the deep dark that you're fighting through. It's not a secret to him. You might as well bring it to him because he knows it anyway. Jesus is well aware of what you went through this morning just to get here. Jesus is well aware of the things that you're fighting through mentally. He knows the toll that 2020 took on you. He didn't lose track of you when we were isolated in the pandemic. He sees you. He knows the suffering. And he doesn't just know it by the evidence that everybody else sees on the surface. He doesn't just know it because he reads your Facebook posts like everybody else. Oh, some of y'all felt that too much. He knows it because he has the authority to deal with it. And he wants to. He sees that we are suffering. But let me say this, and then I'm going to move on, I promise. More importantly, he sees why we're suffering. And he wants to start there. Jesus says, son, your sins, the root... The deepest, darkest, the thing that's affecting everything else in your garden, it's gone. It's out of there. The people around you may not have forgotten, but I have forgotten it already. Your sins are forgiven. Man, the religious leaders get to going. Man, Jesus is out of pocket now. Brings us to point two. Point two. Jesus uses power. Jesus uses power to draw attention to the kingdom. So the religious leaders begin to question. They're like, did he just say your sins are forgiven? No, 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 no. Let me back up. Is this man really implying? Is this homeless dude from Nazareth? Wandered here as a stranger. Works with his hands and offers items that a carpenter builds to to support himself. The guy with splinters in his hands. The guy with dirt in between his toes. You talking about the dude that I watched sneeze coming in here? 
talking about he can forgive your sins, this man must be crazy. Matter of fact, he's doing something much worse. He's blaspheming. Just like a word for like going blatantly against God or invoking the Lord's name where it doesn't belong. I said, he's blaspheming. They hate that he said your sins are forgiven because God alone has the authority to forgive sins. Who are you to deal with this man's sins? They're accusing him of blasphemy. Now, there's so much irony in this, but I only have time for free to offer one sentence. It's a whole sermon for another day. But the, the irony, the irony we know, being the reader, the irony of religious leaders accusing Jesus of going against God is that they themselves are going against God by accusing God of going against himself. Let me ask you, this is for free, process it later, not right now. Where are you so busy telling God what is and is not in his character to do that you have failed to let God, who possesses his own character, work it out for the good of those who believe? That's for for another time. They can't believe he's that out of pocket. This man, out here, blaspheming in the streets, Publicly, he didn't even say it quietly. Like he said it with some boldness. He said it with his chest. (laughs) Sorry, I'm sick. And Jesus says, "What's easier for me to say? What's what's easy for easier for me to say? What's easier for me to say? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven, or is it easier to say?" You're healed, get up and walk. Which is easier to say? Serious question. The easier one to say is your sins are forgiven. Not that it's the easier one to do, but it's the easier one to say because I can look at you and say, your sins are forgiven. How do you know? Like what evidence can you present to me that your sins are forgiven? But on the contrary, what evidence can you present to me that your sins are not? So he's like, "It's it's actually pretty easy to say. Actually, the much harder thing to say would be to say, get up your, off your mat and walk. Because if I say, get up off your mat and walk, and he doesn't walk, it's evident that I don't have that authority. But since we're already here, since you've already asked for a certificate that shows the authority I claim to have, since you seem to require a warrant for that, Let me just go ahead and say, son, your sins are forgiven and get up off of your mat and walk. So when this man gets up and walks, what is now evident is that Jesus has shown he has the authority, yes, to forgive sins as evidenced in the fact that he just picked up a paralytic and allowed him to walk. That's insane. The healing is cool, but it's the evidence of the authority. See, what's interesting to me is that Jesus doesn't lead with his power. He knew the whole time he was going to heal this man. He knew the whole time that the anointing flowing through his veins was going to allow him to heal the paralytic. 
and yet he didn't lead with it. He knew the whole time that at any given moment, he could flex on these fools and be like, yo, get up, and dude was getting up. He knew it. But he didn't lead with that. What did he lead with? It's, I'm sorry, I must be clogged. What did he lead with? Man, the authority. The authority to forgive. Jesus used his powers not to flex, not to show out, not to let people know I am who I say I am. He used power to point to authority, authority that can only come from the kingdom. Jesus uses his power to draw attention, not to himself, but to the kingdom, a kingdom where sons and daughters are forgiven. How many of you want to be a part of that kingdom? It's a kingdom where those who suffer from physical ailments no longer do. How many of you want to be a part of that kingdom? It's a kingdom where God honors the heart of a person over their circumstances. How many of you want to be a part of that kingdom? So let me ask you this question then. What are you trying to prove? If Jesus used his power to prove the kingdom, what are, using your, what are you using your power to prove? Let me say it to you another way. What, what are you trying to prove to somebody? What are you using your gifts, your talents, your abilities, your position, your wealth? What are you using those things to prove? For 25 years of my life, I lived with this proverbial chip on my shoulder, trying to prove myself, trying to prove by the things that I was doing that I belong, trying to prove that I was worthy of standing in the same midst as some of you, trying to prove that I'm worthy of somebody looking at me and saying, I'm proud of you. And I see a whole lot of people who are suffering the same way I once did, out here trying to prove it. You don't believe me? Go look at your social media. You out here trying to prove a whole lot of things to a whole lot of people. Take that post down. Y'all trying to prove your wokeness by the articles that you share. Y'all trying to prove your value by how full your calendar is. Man, y'all trying, to, y'all trying to prove your worth by the number of letters that are attached to the beginning and the last of your name. I see a whole lot of flexing, but not a whole lot of pointing back to where it all comes crumbling down, where it all has to fold, where it all has to kneel, and that's the kingdom. Let me give you this last point so I can get up out your way. Point three, God gives that authority to us. God gives that authority to the church. The conclusion of that section says that the people were afraid. They were scared to death. Why? Because God, it appeared, at least for a moment, that God 
had given his omnipotent authority to a man. He had given it to a man. God had given authority to forgive sins. He had given authority to deal with the fallen depravity, humanity of it all. He had given authority to overcome the elements of this world to a man. Today being Pentecost Sunday, we're reminded of Acts chapter 1. It's not up here. I'll read it to you. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, where Jesus is ascending once and for all. So when they, meaning the believers, had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But watch this, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. What Jesus is doing and what we also saw him uh, uh, right, before, or right before this section in, in the conclusion of some of the other gospels is him, Jesus, passing the authority that had been given to him onto his disciples. He had passed the authority that he had in his ministry and in his life on earth to those who would come to believe. In this instance, he was passing his authority onto the disciples who were gathered, and he's saying, yo, when y'all get together, there's this crazy thing that's about to happen where you will actually be filled with my presence. You will actually be filled with my spirit, and that is a deposit. It's a guarantee that the authority has appropriately been passed down to you. When you feel that power of the Spirit, that's me reminding you, you have authority on this earth upon your profession of faith. And then he says, go and tell other people, I don't want you to keep it with just y'all 11. I don't even want you to just include the 12 with the one that you're about to include. I want you to go and I want you to share this authority with all who come to believe. I want you to build this thing. They're going to call it a church and it's going to become a cuss word in many cultures and it's going to become a cuss word in many practices and in many years and in many centuries and in many countries. And they're going to try and make it something it's not, and it's going to be all these things. But listen to me, what I'm here to tell you is that when y'all get together under the authority that I've given you, and you exercise the power that I've shown you on this earth, that, my friend, is called the church. Jesus has passed that authority on to us, which means this, we celebrate Pentecost Sunday because it's our day to be reminded and how appropriate right how appropriate we're also acknowledging the end of a season we're acknowledging the end of a school season in Jesus name and the beginning of a new season where we gather here on Sundays to sweat and hear the word and worship and it's a way to kick off this season reminding us that in this season and in every season as a matter of fact God has given the church authority on earth. The question, Third Street, is whether or not our church will walk in said authority. 
As the church, we have been given authority to deal with sin and conditions of this world. We've been given authority to get into the nitty-gritty, to get into the deepest root, to go to the deepest, darkest of people's lives that nobody else wants to deal with. We've been given authority to live that type of life with people. We've been given the authority to go to the deepest, darkest of our community and to shed light and affect change. We've been given authority to disrupt the natural and what culture has considered as the norm. We've been called and given the authority to go disrupt that, to draw attention to the kingdom. Not to the sins of a world, but to the kingdom. We have been given authority to see people in their sufferings and to walk with them in a way that is transformative and healing. That's the way Jesus accomplishes it now. Jesus still sees your suffering. Jesus still sees why. Jesus still wants to radically transform your life. Jesus might be the only person on Twitter and in this world that wants to see you win. But the way he does it is by the people who claim to be followers exercising the appropriate authority they've been given to speak to the fallen condition of our world and to disrupt the norm. Use the power of the Holy Spirit to reconcile all things back to God. Let's pray. Father God, Thank you that, that you see us. Lord, I thank you that you provide for us in so many ways, but in the most ultimate way, by the presence of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we want to welcome your spirit in our lives. We want to welcome your presence with us. And so, Lord, we ask that you would begin with our sin. Begin with our condition. Lord, begin to move the things out of our lives that have prevented us from exercising the authority that you have given us. Lord, I pray that when we use power in this world to move immovable objects, it's not for selfish gain, but that we are keeping in mind drawing attention to the kingdom. God, I pray that you would show us what power it is that you've given us. I pray that you would surround us in people that show us how to exercise the gifts of the Spirit. I pray that you would allow us a community to push for these things. Lord, I pray that you make us a people who are bold enough to go into the deepest and darkest parts of this earth, unafraid, to disrupt the natural, claim the authority of Jesus Christ, 
and watch victory fall from heaven. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. All who believe say, bless up.